Hello and welcome back for season two of the Digital Assessment Podcast. I'm Susanna Duran, your host and an edtech enthusiast. In the last season, I really enjoyed talking with some of our brilliant people at Inspira about the past, present and potential future of digital assessment. In this season, I'm really excited to talk about innovation in assessment. We've got some interviews coming up with universities who use digital assessment going to talk a bit more about their experience and what they would recommend to other institutions. But in this episode, the first in the series, I'll be talking with Harvey Taman, who is a key account manager at Inspira UK, about the drivers of innovation. So what are the things that really uh, make institutions decide to move forward and use a digital assessment product? Harvey, thank you very much for joining me. I know that you have a lot of really interesting experience. And so I'm really looking forward to this interview. Can you just give us a quick introduction and tell us a bit more about you, what you do at Inspira and some of your background? Uh, yeah, of course. Thank you, of course, for, for having me on to the, to the podcast today. So my name is, is Harvey Taman and my role at Inspira is as a, a key account manager uh, in the UK. And, and you're absolutely right. My, uh, my role very much uh, does, does lead to me really talking to, to leading educational institutions in the UK um, uh, about about digital assessment and about how they can innovate their assessment uh, processes using digital assessment technology, uh, and, and I am lucky enough to work with some of the some of the leading institutions um, to, to really help make that happen. I've been involved in in digital assessment in one form or another for for sort of coming up to about eight years now. Before I joined Inspira, as at another UK edtech company, RM when I was there sort of mainly focused really on uh, on online marking um, and particularly within the uh, awarding body space um so it's uh, it's nice for me now uh, at Inspira to work with a, a, a larger a large range of, of different institutions um, I'm particularly uh, sort of enjoying working with universities uh, on on how they digitize their assessment processes as well and then yes in terms of a little more about me um, I'm a, I was born and bred in, in Oxford, grew up in Oxford, and I'm now living in the, uh, the heady heights of London, my girlfriend. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you for introducing yourself. And yeah, welcome. I'm, I'm looking forward to picking your brains a bit about your experience with some, some of the institutions that we work with here. So today we're starting off talking about innovation and in particular, the drivers of innovation. So what makes institutions decide to implement new technology? And is that kind of different for different institutions? Are there any reasons not to innovate? And what is the impact of not innovating? And so I suppose, let's just start off with, I appreciate this is quite a broad question, but what would you say are the main drivers of innovation in 2022? And are they different for different kinds of institutions? So perhaps for universities, schools or awarding bodies? Yeah, no, of course, happy to happy to answer that. And I think I think I can I'll probably answer it in, in two parts, uh, if I may. And I'll yeah. uh, I'll answer it. I'll start off broad and we'll we'll really sort of delve into digital assessment specifically. But I think certainly from my perspective, if I think about what what innovation actually means, what it is. I think at its core, it's about, you know, organizations and, and institutions 
doing what they do already, but better and more efficiently um, uh, to whatever that might be. So it could simply be a higher quality output of something that they already do. So, you know, improving the way that they teach to, to increase, uh, you know, and improve learning outcomes uh, or to, to, to change the way uh, or to improve the quality of the assessment to make it authentic or more accurate. Anything that is done that tries to achieve something like that, I would, I would badge as, as innovation. I think you, you, you mentioned it in the question. I, I think innovation is synonymous with technology. I don't yeah. think technological innovation is the only way that you can innovate, but it's absolutely a, a, a core sort of element to, uh, to, to innovation. And then in terms of, so, so that's sort of how I would describe, I guess, why you would innovate. If I yeah. think about what the actual drivers are, for me, there are two drivers. Um, the first I would call, uh, what I would call a push driver. Um, and a push driver is is essentially a technology that, that enables you to, or is an emerging technology uh, that, that hasn't existed before or perhaps is, has developed such a point where it, it then starts to, to have potential use cases which uh, which people will start to look at um, so that's the first one push driver um, and then the second one I would classify as a pull driver and, and a pull driver for me is is where either market forces or an environmental condition necessitates a change in the way we do things and I think the the screaming example of this um, that, that we've all lived through over the last sort of almost two years now is the is the covid pandemic which is uh, has really driven us to to innovate in uh, in lots of different ways i think that is the, yeah. an archetypal example of a of a pull driver for innovation and then you asked about uh are the are the drivers for for innovation different between university schools and awarding bodies um yes simple answer is yes they are different I think in terms of what, as I would describe the push type of innovation, I would say all institutions across that context, you know, are all, uh, all have available the same technologies at, at their fingertips. I think what's different is that pull driver is different. Uh, an example of that could be remote proctoring. And we've seen remote proctoring really increase uh, through through the pandemic. It's been a technology that's been around certainly certainly five to ten years I'm sure I'm sure those around for longer than I do uh, will be able to pick me up on that and say that it's been around longer, but <laughs> certainly for the last five or ten years. But what we've seen is that 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 those that need it, um, uh, those that have a need for, for for remote proctoring, are those that that are running summative assessments where we need to uh, to make sure exam conditions are are upheld, and that's very much more uh, in the environment of a university or, or particularly awarding body. Um, where that is uh, vital to sort of summative uh, assessment and certification process. But then if you think about the types of assessment that happens in schools, it's very formative. Um, things like comprehension exams or, or, or really, really short assessments just to be able to gauge a, a pupil's learning, particularly in the primary environment, then that has no need at all uh, for, for, for ensuring exam conditions are met. And so therefore hasn't innovated, hasn't adopted that technology. Okay, so the essentially the drivers are, are very similar, but the way in which innovation might be implemented 
is going to be quite different depending on the institution. Um, of course, you've talked about the difference between kind of schools and universities, but I also imagine that just within different uh, institutions and even within different departments, there's there's going to be slightly different needs depending on what's what's taught. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Um, I, of course, if we specifically think about universities, each uh, faculty in each department where the subjects are, are different, each subject lends itself to being assessed in, in different ways. And whilst you might have a, a, a humanities subject, I studied business and economics. Most of my studies were more sort of long form assessments. Coursework was very prevalent and that was a really common way of assessing. Whereas uh, sort of other faculties such as medicine perhaps will do a lot of uh, observational type assessment. And it really does depend on the type of uh, the, the, the type of academic endeavor i guess uh that, that you're embarking on absolutely depends on the, uh, the 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 assessment type that you that you're using and that in turn drives how you're going to innovate um and what technologies you need to adopt uh, in, in terms of uh, in terms of actually achieving that innovation absolutely and so as you've said there's lots of good reasons um to to innovate to improve your current practices and of course reasons that institutions need to innovate because they have to take their learning online or a hybrid or something like that but I'm interested if you think there are any reasons that institutions shouldn't innovate um, you know are there any kind of negative drivers to innovation? That's a good question for me I guess it's hard to really say that there are negative drivers because certainly the principle that I follow is that, you know, it's vital to for an institution to, to, to constantly strive to improve and to, to do things better and more efficiently. Uh, and, and that's absolutely no different in terms of uh, in terms of, um, sort of educational institutions that, that, that are assessing and, and, and follow assessment. But for me, I guess it's not necessarily a negative driver, but I think that the push and pull that I described before a sort of technology versus market conditions if that's too out of balance in the way that you're that you're implementing an innovation so for example if you're just adopting a, a technology simply for the sake of it but but haven't really considered the applications of it then that for me would not necessarily be a bad driver of innovation but just not necessarily innovating in in the most effective way for your institution so I, I would be I would be wary of, of of innovation simply simply because new technologies exist. Sure, do research them, absolutely research them, but but I sort of class that more as a as almost invention or or, or yeah R and D rather than innovation, which I think is more the application of technology. How would you say that institutions could make sure that that technology that they are looking into is really relevant to what they're doing and relevant to their long-term innovation plans i'm aware that's quite a broad question too yeah no <laughs> and again very individualized but yeah of course and i think i th i think the institutions that, that innovate really well are those that understand i think the outcomes of what they are doing and and i i guess what I mean by that is that they have a real focus on what benefits that they want to achieve from an innovation. So it could be that, say, 
say an institution wants to wants to innovate by improving its online teaching provision i think adopting technologies which help achieve that is really important to really focus on that but simply researching into technologies without really understanding what benefits they might give you i think can sometimes mean that you don't innovate in in the most effective way so the key is to constantly focus on you know how could this possibly improve my institution and you're going to need to test that you're not always going to get it right but i think from a cultural perspective if you can focus on the benefits that that technology give you absolutely do do your research and absolutely do trial technologies pilot them and, and sort of build an innovation mindset but i would say that that yeah even if the benefit isn't immediately available there does need to be you know light at the end of the tunnel in terms of some some technology we see you know hype technology hype around lots of things things like artificial intelligence blockchain has had huge amounts of hype over the last five or ten years there's some fantastic applications for those sort of technologies which i appreciate hugely broad but at the same time i think a lot of investment has been spent on uh, trying to to look for use cases of those that that right now don't exist maybe they'll exist in the future but, but absolutely, I think you need to you need to have a really good balance there of, uh, of the technology, the emerging technologies against the the, the market conditions that, that you're working in. Yeah, absolutely. I think just looking into industry news at the moment, it's kind of overwhelming how many articles and pieces there are about AI and virtual reality and blockchain and things like that. And I think these are certainly exciting technologies and they will very likely have a place in in the classrooms of the future. But I think they are also incredibly complex, will take um, a very long time to implement and and not something that you can just plug and play at all. No, not at all. I think AI specifically is something that I've I've certainly looked into both in my role now and, and in previous roles around how AI can help automate different processes. And, and we see AI in use in digital assessment right now. It's used in terms of, I guess, sort of facial recognition software that exists for, for remote proctoring. It's also used for sort of natural language processing of reading handwriting. You see that happening, but for every application that, that does work, there's been a hell of a lot of research which, which hasn't yet come to fruition. And I, I think it's it's really about thinking fundamentally, how does it impact the the, the learners and the educators uh, that, that are working within assessment uh, rather than simply yeah, just just looking at AI as a, as a new thing? Um, you know, what can it do? Uh, that's an important thing for, for, for people to do, but it's really that that's more cutting edge research. I, I think it's actually the application of that, which is where we really need to, to hone in on and, and think about um, when we think about assessment. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about adopting new technologies and the impact on teaching and learning, how can institutions approach adoption successfully? What What is a kind of good good way to go about this, would you say? Yeah, great question. It's very broad. I think if I try and think about it in its most simple form, in terms of adopting digital assessment as a as a broad technology i think you can look to do it in a big bang and you can try to to map out 
you know exactly where the end point is is going to be and, and you try to to plan a a very sort of comprehensive project which will which will get you there i think more commonly there's a an incremental adoption approach and and that then allows you to sort of realize some of the benefits of the innovation earlier in the process and what i mean by that is really i guess again there could be different ways of doing this but what it could mean is that you could adopt certain what i'd call sort of sub capabilities within digital assessment first so it might be in those institutions that i work with who have decided the best way is to first of all adopt online delivery of their assessments so that means getting test takers to actually sit the, the test online but then in terms of their marking they might still choose to mark offline they could even still choose to to author offline uh, or, or author in different systems existing systems that that they use from the technology perspective that's a way of building a sort of a starting point for the technology and then looking to adopt uh, you know greater a sort of scale of the technology over time as you sort of build on those capabilities and, and add the building blocks. That's from a technology perspective. You could also do that from a scale perspective. And we were talking earlier about different faculties adopting digital assessment in a different way and, and needing to assess in different ways. You could incrementally uh, adopt digital assessment using different subject areas, different faculties first you know, providing that early life support, which is vital in, in adopting and, and, and innovating. I think you could then do it that way. So a certain faculty could be perhaps the, the first one to, to pilot a digital assessment technologies. Once that pilot has completed, you can then learn your lessons. You could increase the adoption across a greater number of faculties and, and, and your entire institution. Uh, and that's certainly, certainly something that I see quite commonly within the, the university space uh, at the moment in the UK. So it's quite common to start small and then scale out from there yeah it really is um and like i said i think i think that could be faculty based or it could be technology based but i think it can be quite insurmountable to consider a big bang approach if you yourself are a large university or a large awarding body um simply going big bang is is likely to just not quite be feasible so building bite-sized chunks is is definitely a way to go um in terms of actually successfully adopting it and like i say it gives you benefits sooner down the track if you have a big bang project that takes you three years whereas you know you could incrementally adopt over the course of three years and, and build up but you are starting to use digital assessment within the first six months then yeah. then of course you're realizing those benefits far earlier yeah and i suppose then you also get better right as you go along in those three years so you implement in one department or, or faculty and then you collect some data from that and then you can use that to go somewhere else although of course as we've said different different departments are going to have different needs but and then I suppose you incrementally collect usage data and learn lessons as you're going along too exactly that exactly that is it's all about learning the lessons in terms of what works and what doesn't work um and it's also about building a a center of knowledge um and what we often find is that the institutions that, that pilot with inspira um the early adopters um uh, the the people you know who first get hands-on with the system 
they then become vital when it comes to the full rollout because they've got the skills and the know-how to, to use the technologies and then then understand you know what benefits that it can bring and and they're really then able to champion that across the institution so identifying early adopters of technology from a change management perspective is really really useful um, when it comes to innovating particularly that's that's been my experience of, of innovating with digital assessment yeah and i think that that's actually a perfect way into my next question which is is that change management often starts with with people and having having the people who are going to be using the technology really on board can you talk a bit more about how to approach that and how to make sure that your change management and people management in that process is successful yeah yeah absolutely I, and i i yeah I, I agree with your premonition in that change management is is vital when it comes to 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 innovation because innovation is about from a process perspective doing things differently doing things in a new way something you haven't done before and within an institution uh, fundamentally processes are, are about people and it's about people's job and how people work um, and doing things differently isn't always easy uh, and it isn't always as easy to some as it is for others so what change management can allow you to do is to is to help i guess smooth over that transition which I would never want to underestimate how much of a, I guess, a challenge that that can be for, for some individuals. So from a change management perspective, I think certainly stakeholder engagement is is absolutely crucial. Um, and so from a from an assessment perspective, I think what that what that means is engaging with uh, first and foremost students, candidates, test takers to understand the sort of experience that that they're looking for as part of the assessment journey that's crucial but then also absolutely crucial is is understanding from a from a faculty perspective you know what are the learning outcomes that we're trying to achieve what are the assessment outcomes that that we're trying to achieve and how do we ensure that what's happening digitally is at least as good as what was happening on paper and how do we start to offer new uh, uh you, you know new opportunities that that uh, doing assessment digitally offers so it's engaging with with stakeholders with faculty with, with students uh, and then also university support staff and i've been very impressed in my uh, in my time in spirit speaking to some fantastic learning technologists i, I think learning technologists are, are very much the people that will be championing uh, innovation in uh, in assessment but also in learning and teaching and so understanding their requirements and, and that using really their expertise from a change management perspective to help the adoption is is really vital. I was on campus with a, with a customer. I was lucky enough last year to, to actually be able to do that. And I was uh, really, really impressed by the support that, that the learning technologists provided to, to the teaching staff. And it was very much a, a case of teaching as a team sport really um and that was something yeah. That, that yeah really impressed me that's a really nice way to put it yeah teaching is a team sport different people all uh have different perspectives and pick things up at different paces or in different ways so if everybody's working together then hopefully you're going to kind of build a, a fuller picture more quickly and i also thought it was interesting you were talking about having students on board and having their feedback early on i think it's very important not to miss them out because ultimately they are the people doing something 
high stakes, potentially a bit stressful using this technology. How have you seen institutions involve students in this process really successfully? In terms of what I've seen, I've I've been impressed by some universities who have uh, who have engaged, you know, in the in a procurement process. They've spoken to students, particularly through the student union. I've I've seen institutions who are looking to procure a digital assessment platform, who have actively spoken to their student base representatives of it to understand from a test taking perspective what they'd like to see a platform do. That's probably the the, the the single thing that stood out to me. But I've also heard in terms of once digital assessments been uh, been implemented, there's a customer I'm working with at the moment who have implemented Inspira across their entire institution, and they're constantly seeking feedback from their their stakeholder base, uh, and that includes students uh, about how the implementation is going, what their experiences are, and crucially, um, what, you know, what else could could they do to to, to improve their experience. So. Yeah, I've been very impressed by both seeking feedback once implementation has been uh, has has happened, um, to try to continuously improve and engage with students at that point, but then also engaging with students within a procurement process. I think is uh, is ingenious as well in terms of uh, achieving buy-in and making sure that you uh, that you pick their um, pick their requirements up at the point that you're deciding uh, which vendor you're going to choose. Um, that's that's really interesting to hear and. Um really good to hear that that students are involved kind of really from from the very beginning and so lots of kind of ideas and examples of how technology has been uh, implemented very well and how innovation has has worked as it should but I suppose there is going to be an impact of not keeping up with change and not innovating could you talk some more about that uh, yeah I think again, what what it can do if if you if you don't innovate um, and you you don't have a culture of innovation uh, as an organisation is eventually you will get left behind. Um, others will innovate, competitors will innovate, and uh, and they will get better at the thing that they do. They will get better at assessing. They will get better at educating. So I think you do need to to have a culture of innovation. I do also think that there does need to be a good rhythm. I don't think that if you essentially try to innovate too fast, what you can do is you you can achieve burnout. I think what I'm actually experiencing at the moment through the pandemic is we've had to innovate so much so quickly that there is some fatigue amongst people who have had to change the way they work and and they just want a period of stability, which I think is is really interesting. And and, and I don't want to diminish that. I I think we do need to acknowledge that there is a level of fatigue that has been brought about due to innovation because of the pandemic. But again, using the pandemic, I'm conscious I've used that as an example quite a lot already, but in terms of not keeping up with change, I think it's been really interesting to see that some institutions were able to pivot and to go online uh, and carry on doing their assessments online, but, but others weren't. I think about the fact that GCSEs and A-levels in this country had to be cancelled over the last couple of years and, and replaced by teacher assessed grades, um, which I think is absolutely is and was the right thing to do under those circumstances. Um, but I think the question now is to, you know, try to find innovative ways to ensure that that, that process is more robust for unforeseen circumstances uh, of the future. And that is no small task for uh, for awarding bodies. That's no small task for universities. And, and absolutely, there needs to be support both from government 
um, but also from uh, from technology vendors as well that, that exist in the market now. Yeah, I think it's, like you said, it's a means of future-proofing the institution for, uh, you know, for whatever circumstances we might encounter in the future. Hopefully, <laughs> there, you know, there won't be anything uh, like COVID again anytime soon, but it's always it's always important to be able to create kind of long-term stability as you said at an institution and I remember speaking with one of our customers who said that implementing Inspira was was a means of kind of uh, securing and keeping things stable for the long term no matter what happens. Absolutely I think I think what digital assessment I mean digital anything to be honest I think what the pandemic has proved is that digitizing processes adds a degree of resilience that perhaps we didn't realize we even needed um, yeah and it's that resilience i think which is which is really useful and, and and that's absolutely one of the one of the drivers is to is to add resilience to 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 the to your processes yes and you kind of touched on this a moment ago you talked about uh, technology companies supporting institutions what role do technology companies like like inspira play in driving innovation and what responsibilities do they have to institutions yeah great great question and certainly is something that that i you know i think about a lot in my role i feel very lucky uh, that i get to listen to um such uh such fantastic people talk to me about their assessment processes and i certainly feel that it's my duty to to play that back to our institution at inspira so as we can make sure that that our technology offerings meet the requirements of the of the assessment providers, particularly universities, are, are who I speak to a lot, um, but I think more widely, digital assessment companies within the market very much um, need to make sure that the that the technologies that are that are out there are researched, and we understand the the, the benefits and the powers of them. So, like I was talking about before, I think technology companies have to have to do a degree of research to understand potential benefits of emerging technologies and it's our role to work with institutions to start to draw up what these applications of those technologies could be um, so it really is i think we provide a glue between sort of technology and and, and, and institutions and what, what the other thing that we do is is we provide a technology platform I think it's important from an institutional perspective, particularly institutions of, of varying different sizes. Some institutions are, are lucky enough to have the resources to be able to provide, you know, a degree of a degree of sort of technical capabilities themselves and, and can research, and develop their own technologies, which can be part of their digital assessment provision. But other institutions aren't able to do that. And so we provide a, a degree of expertise, which unfortunately not everyone is 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 able to provide themselves so we can be that that provider that that can operate across the entire market can operate across any different assessment context um so i think that's really important that technology companies and digital assessment companies are able to provide services not not just to you know the very largest institutions the very largest universities but also to the small and medium sized ones that perhaps don't have the, the the resources to to invest in in their own capabilities interesting yeah and i suppose that in some ways comes back to one of the points we started with is that 
should be teaching and learning first and then technology to support that rather than technology for technology's sake. We need to be listening to the needs of institutions and 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 supporting them. We're kind of coming to the end here and there is a question that I have asked everybody so far who's who's come on the podcast and we've had I think there's definitely been some similar themes between everybody but different ideas as well and my question to you is how do you see assessment changing or evolving in the future yeah that 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 is i'm sure you have had a range of of responses already well i think and again this is generic and I'll, i'll sort of hone in on on assessment sort of as my answer progresses but i i think what we will see is we will see a period of stability uh, through 2022, as, as as certainly in the UK, we try to, to emerge out of the pandemic. I think institutions had to act quickly and move tactically to get both teaching and assessment online. But now they're looking more strategically at digital assessment and mapping out where does it fit in the long term and not just how how did you have to do it to cope with the, uh, with the COVID pandemic. And I think what that does is it unlocks some new opportunities that that perhaps we hadn't considered when you're really just thinking about, you know, the next two or three weeks, let alone the next two or three years. But that I think is sort of the conditions I think that are happening in terms of some of the technologies within within digital assessment and, and how I see assessment moving more generally. I think the use of, of digital assessment unlocks the potential for more automation. And I I think automation is is huge. What I mean by that is you can you can automate both test construction through the use of adaptive models such as linear on the fly testing, which is where perhaps you have a, a large question bank. Uh, each question bank could be uh, could be tagged with metadata, things like how difficult is the question, what the learning outcomes, could even have real time performance data of the question, and then an algorithm is able to go in and create a unique exam paper per candidate, sort of based on a sort of predefined set of criteria now that has huge benefits if you if you're able to have a a large question question set and and that that model really only works when you've digitized your process so i think that's just an example of of how we might increase automation i think the same could be true for the automation of marking i think we'll see ever more increase in in the automation of marking both from Simple stuff like simple MCQs, but but starting to move into longer textual based questions uh, and using harnessing AI perhaps to start to to improve the automation of uh, of marking. Uh, and fundamentally, what that then allows you to do is to to focus your teaching and learning and and your assessment on the higher order tasks um, yeah. uh, from a from a perspective. So, um, I think we'll see increased automation across the board. Um, and then I think the other thing that we'll we'll see is I think that COVID has created a sort of a new sort of condition really where there's a, a debate to be had around the purpose of, of assessment, be it in, in a summative way or in a formative way. Um, and I think what we'll start to see, particularly in, uh, in primary settings and, and, and younger children is assessment in a formative way um, and moving that online I think is something that certainly um, is a trend that I expect to see happening certainly not quickly but I think as as digitization improves and increases and we'll start to see to see more of that 
Um, but I do think that that absolutely in the future there'll be a huge role for for summative assessment in terms of, I guess, certifying uh, and credentialing the the skills that that students um, go on to to achieve through the course of their learning. Interesting. Um, I think the idea of uh, speeding up grading is something when I was teaching that I would have loved to spend so much time grading that you could be spending on, as you say, higher order tasks or, or planning something else. So um, I, I personally am <laughs> very interested <laughs> in, in seeing that develop uh, in the future. Yeah, well, let's, let's hope. I'm sure it will, and it, and it will through automation, but also through just increased processing um, and just, just changing workflows to work in more efficient ways as well just increases the, the the efficiency i guess of the process and and that fundamentally is what innovation is all about it's about improving processes in digital assessment if we can help with the marking process um, then i'm sure we'll make uh, teachers and lecturers very happy absolutely um and i think that's a really good summary of of the purpose of innovation and uh, a nice way to wrap up this episode so Again, thank you very much for joining me. Yeah, I've I've learnt a lot during this podcast and I hope that everybody listening has too. So thank you again, Harvey. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Susanna. I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, looking forward to uh, to listening to the other episodes in the podcast. And we do have some great episodes coming up. Next time we'll be talking with Donald Lancaster, who is the Director of Studies at the University of Bath. And we'll also be hearing from some other people at the institution about their experience with digital assessment and how we assess now in 2022. And then in the episode after that, we'll be talking with Morgan Holm, who is in charge of digital exams at Jean Shopping University in Sweden. And he'll be talking about all of the things that the university has done to innovate with digital assessment, provide a better student experience and provide a better experience for all staff who work on exams as well. So I hope to see you all there. I'm really looking forward to those episodes. Please do subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find all of the episodes on our website at inspira.com. You can find us on social media on LinkedIn and Twitter at Inspira, where we would love to hear from you. See you next time. <laughs>